welcome to Inspiring Futures. I'm your host, Ed Cotton. This is a podcast where we talk about the how, what, and why of the future. So uh, welcome to the latest episode of Inspiring Futures. Uh, my guest today is Ben Deitz, um, who i um, known for quite a while. Uh, when did we first meet Ben? Uh, in, kind of... must have been the late aughts, I would think probably on my first visit out to BSSP in, um, oh, don't tell me, Sausalito. That's correct. Sausalito. Yeah. I've always I, I I I remember the name of the town because of the it's the name of the band in uh, Lost in Translation. Wow. Speaking of, by the way, Ed, it's Deets. Deets, sorry. No, that's all right. All good. Common mistake. Um, but yeah, I think it was it was must have been around then, and it must have been my first trip out as a you know ambassador for Vice Media and its burgeoning, uh, you know audience and advertising power at the time so you you were with vice from from when to when 2004 to 2020 wow did you ever expect to be there for that long uh i mean it's funny right like especially in 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 a landscape where everyone is so peripatetic i i, I didn't because I didn't imagine anything going on for 16 years when I was, when I joined, but I also didn't really, I didn't, you know, I never wanted to be anywhere else um, for most of that period. And so it just, you know, time rolled on, things changed. I kept learning stuff, kept, you know, taking on new skills. And so it was, uh, yeah, it just never occurred to me to, to, to do anything else. So what, what was it, what was it that kept you there? What, you know, did you, did you, did you wake up on the 1st of January every year and go, yeah, I, I should stick around. Or did you did you actually have moments where you were where you had to sort of do some analysis and 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 work out where you whether you were improving, learning, getting promoted, all that other stuff? Yeah, I mean, I have to say, um, probably to my detriment, the the sort of getting promoted part has never really figured into my my calculus. What I'm much more concerned about, I've always been much more concerned about, is uh, am I in enjoying myself is this is this fun right in a in a subjective way is it am i surrounded by people who are you know smart and engaging and engaged culturally um and am i uh you know taking on things that i haven't done before am i not like repeating myself and and it, it vice's growth from magazine plus marketing company to online platform online video platform plus agency to digital empire plus agency plus acquired companies to, you know, sort of vast multimedia network, including television, television station and, you know, offices around the world and all that kind of stuff like that, that introduced new elements throughout. And so it kept things, kept things fresh. And I, I, you know, worked with very, very smart and engaged people, um, you know, by and large. And so that was always, you know, rewarding. So, in terms of in terms of your role there, what how did how did it evolve? How did it start, and how did it evolve? The, the long, I mean, so I, I started in what was 
called the director of business development and it was a, 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 a way of gussying up the notion of salesperson because when I joined, I knew that I knew how to talk to brands and bring, you know, what a brand needed to do with this kind of attractive audience that Vice had. Um, but I didn't have any experience in sales, had never done any kind of sales training, any of that kind of stuff. So I didn't want to be called a salesperson. I think there was a general sort of negative connotation around it that that remains. Um, and so I started as a director of business development, but ultimately what it was, was trying to figure out how do you bring in money to uh, the, you know, Vice's coffers to help support the editorial output and, and, you know, the other things the company wanted to do. And because I didn't know how to do that from a, from a classical sales training, what I did instead was just, I pursued relationships with people that I thought were smart or brands that I thought were interesting and just said, Hey, you know, when you're ready now or later, we've got really interesting creative capabilities or really, you know, attractive and important audience that is growing. And um, we're going to make this fun and easy for you to, to, to do. Right. Which is, I think not, and, and you tell me, but it's, it doesn't seem to me like a big consideration with most partnerships in the kind of marketing space. And it, it, there are very few people trying to say, we're going to make this efficient or effective, I guess is a better way to put it, rewarding and fun, right? They might go, it's going to be effective and you know, you're going to hit your KPIs or whatever, but there's, there's very little sense of like, you're going to enjoy this. And that was what we always tried to bring. Yeah. Um, it's true. It, it's true. Um, I remember, I remember the, uh, I, I think there was, uh, there must have been a lot of people in the early days who were kind of like, Vice was much more provocative when it started. I mean, it, it, it was, it, it was out on the fringes and I think it was probably scary for a lot of quite conservative American companies, even if they had the, even if you had the demographic. Um, they were a little put off and frightened because it was a little out there, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I said to people, uh, you know, and, and mainly I said it to people who I was, you know, attempting to hire or who was inter, inter who were interviewing with us. I was like, look, it's it's in, this is an incredibly easy thing to say no to, right? Because on the one hand, you have um, uh, a, a, an audience that is highly important, but very specific and not the size of, you know, what you would get through a Google or a Facebook or even further back, like a, you know, Connie Nast publications or whatever. Secondly, because um, we are very specific in the way that we want to work with people because we have to be authentic to our audience and we have to make sure that we're presenting stuff to them. Even if it's stuff for you, we have to present stuff to them in a way that they're going to not call bullshit on. Um, to use the, the sort of term of art. And lastly, it was because look, we are one Google search away from some crazy story that was published, you know, could have been published yesterday, but the likelihood is that it was published in 2000, but it's still floating around on Google and it, you know, casts, a, 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 you know, a, a shadow over our brand safety or whatever it is. So that was all, that was a constant concern but it in a certain way it was freeing because it 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 meant that the people that you could work with understood the level of risk and were um understood that the the net gain from what they would be able to do was greater than 
the, the, you know, the net liability from the risk. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, you know, the other, the other thing, the other thing that I always think is we, we sort of, um, we've evolved. I mean, a lot of what I want to talk about later is the evolution of how you, how you've seen culture evolve because we had a, a nascent digital culture back then it was it was around but it wasn't what it is right now for sure and um also the whole idea of um you, you know a lot of the time and this is kind of obviously the evolution of what happened at vice was you're you're offering you start off by offering access to a culture um and in the beginning, it's people outside agencies create to create stuff for that culture that you provide them access to. But you always you always have to wonder whether that's the right stuff, right? You know, is the creative is the creative that's being created the right for that culture? And then ultimately, you obviously ended up recognizing that you could develop your own <clears throat> um, creative capabilities. Mm. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I, I hesitate to say that I've landed at a place where I could develop my own creative capabilities. I, I, I feel like I, much more than, a, than a, a creative person in the way that we think of it through, you know, the sort of the marketing industry, I, I think of myself as a, as a you know, a, a filter or an interlocutor or, a, a you know, a curator. Um, and probably much more so a filter than a curator. The the you know I, I am I am inspired by I have a sort of a a Catholic eye, and I'm inspired by lots of different things. And so what I try to do is just bring stimuli to the the, the process. Um, a as a way of of inspiring people, but B as a way of um, of you know future proofing the idea by having a sense of what else is out there. Um, so anyway, I, sorry, that's a long-winded way of saying, I don't, I, I, I don't think I've stumbled upon my creative capabilities, but I do think I stumbled upon a way of translating that sort of magpie's eye into a service that is valuable to people and is fun for me to do. And is, you know, mm. has, has proven, you know, in, in, useful in terms of generating opportunities for me post vice as well. Yeah. So, so. What would you just? How would you describe the type of work that you want to do and are doing right now? Well, so to start with the work that I am doing, so I, I'm I'm consulting for brands um, in in a in the space around, I would say, you know, current cultural conversation for young audiences, right? Um, and you know, for instance, I'm I'm working with uh, an esports company at the moment who are um, building from this great footprint in gaming into, you know, a, 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 a much larger space. But that's generally, I think, the, the sort of the space. And the way that I do it is one by, of course, just purely spending time with the companies and, and offering them feedback on their, you know, practices, their trajectory, you know, where, where I think they can go and, and how I think their plans are, are situated. But then also um, I do, I put together a newsletter uh, on a weekly basis on Thursdays that is a kind of a curated list of links and stories that I think are pertinent and interesting 
you know, I, I call it a kind of a cross section of my brain, which is at sickweekly.com or sick, excuse me, not sickweekly.com at sickweekly, sicweekly.substack.com. Um, and then I also do a series of chats on Instagram that is like a corresponding, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, uh, complement to those newsletters. And then I also have a series of discussions on, on Clubhouse under the banner Culture Club that I do with some partners. And that's been really situated around crypto and NFTs in the last sort of six months or so, um, which has been a really interesting introduction to that world um, because it has so many sort of characteristics that are continuous from the, the, the world of youth culture, but also it is very much a culture that is inventing itself at the moment. And so it's been really just fascinating to watch and to analyze that. So when, when you, what, what would you say, um, I, I get the feeling that for a lot of people, especially when, they, when they're outside the age of the demographic and they often are a senior brand people, um, they probably look at their kids, you know, they, they, they just sort of refer to their kids as being the focus group of one. Um, yeah. and they're kind of lost, you know, um, <laughs> because it, 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 there's so much, it used to be quite simple, right? It used to be, there were, there were only a few genres. There were people who, you know, high school was defined by these, um, labels and you could actually kind of understand how those labels worked and the lifestyle that was attached to those labels. But that as all, um, I remember, I remember a moment when I was working on Converse and we were doing a lot of, um, we did a lot of sort of taking shoes to LA and showing shoes to potential shoppers and asking them what they thought. And um, I remember in one interview with some teenage, teenage girls, the, one of the girls respondents said, those shoes would be perfect for my punk Fridays. And I said, well, what's a punk Friday? She said, well, every Friday I dress as a punk. So, you know, this whole idea, it was just, it was just, had just become a style that was uh, mm -hmm. it, rather than back in 1977 in New York or London, you were, if you were a punk, you were living punk 24-7. Right. Um, well, I, I think, I mean, the so so to to in terms of my focus group, I, I've got a focus group of two plus plus, right? My, I've got a 15 year old and I've got a 12 year old, and and they are the, the thing that I found very interesting about them is that they are very much exhibiting the same sorts of behavior around, you know, let's call it screens, right? They are both playing multiplayer games. They are both messaging on multiple platforms. They are both um, consuming information simultaneously on multiple devices, um, but they're doing so in, in on entirely different in entirely different ecosystems. My daughter communicates primarily through Roblox and Snap, and and then watches TikTok. My son communicates primarily through Instagram and Call of Duty or other sort of multiplayer games through Xbox consumes mostly YouTube 
And um, it, it's, it's really, for me, it's intriguing because it's like trying to figure out the sort of what makes the two of them, despite the fact that they're close in age, so different in their consumption habits, how that signifies, let's call it demographic or psychographic differences between, you know, the uses of those platforms. Um, so so I, I, I get fascinated by that. And then I go down little rabbit holes trying to figure out like, okay, what is the Roblox ecosystem so that I understand what my daughter's doing? What is the current state of, you know, creators in, let's call it Twitch, so that I understand what the, the sort of contemporary state of streaming is. What I discover is that, you know, unlike growing up a skateboarder, you know, when I was a teenager in my 20s, where I could be inside the subculture and I could know everything, more or less, it is impossible to your point to, to know everything now. And I just don't have the time, right? I think that, that one of the things that's been so interesting about monitoring the crypto world is that it truly is ruled by the people who have the time to spend on it. Um, and because it's a culture that is literally inventing itself, people that are there the most are the ones who determine it the most and who are, are able to, to sort of understand it the best and, and benefit from it. So um, I guess I'm, I'm resigned to the notion that I'm never going to be inside the way that I was, but I think there's an outsider's, there's a perspective from the outside that's valuable because, you know, people have a tendency to shoegaze at a certain point. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's interesting. I mean, it, it is, I was just looking at an article today on, um, it was really interesting, it, and I pr should probably be in your newsletter. Um, it was all about SoundCloud. <laughs> it was SoundCloud and the whole idea of this. Um, people are inventing genres to, um, I mean, partly because they are uh, genres, but um, partly because they want the name recognition. So yeah. it's about sort of brand awareness. And there are, in SoundCloud, there are these uh, hundreds of, of new genres emerging. Some of them only have like two or three protagonists. That's that's really interesting. There's a there's a I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there's a Wikipedia. Um, I think it's a Wikipedia entry that catalogs all of the different cores that have emerged yeah. over the last couple of years. And so, I, for instance, there's a, there's a, a story that I'm linking to in this week's newsletter about how. Um, 2022 is going to be the year of goblin core in fashion. Just, I'm very excited. <laughs> but in, in any case, um, the, the, yeah, the proliferation of those things is so interesting, but, it, but the idea, well, I, I think where, where that ultimately comes down to is right. As you said, the building branding, you know, uh, uh, acknowledgement and equity but then also, I think there's this a, a little bit of a impulse to make a mark on the world and, and build a, a you know a legacy or leave evidence of yourself. It's really interesting. My some friends of mine um, launched a project last week or two weeks ago called the Crypto Lexicon, um, and we I actually had them as as guests on my IG Live thing um, a couple of weeks back. But they the the notion basically is that crypto as a world is evolving so quickly that there are all of these terms of art that nobody has standardized or acknowledged. And so they built a blockchain backed 
let's call it Wikipedia type thing where you can input a term into the crypto lexicon, it gets recorded on the blockchain as your term. And then in theory, you could benefit from the use of that term in the future, right? We were talking, uh, you know, before we started recording about William Gibson, um, who coined the term cyberspace, I think. Mm -hmm. So if, if you imagine, had he coined that term today, and then it had been recorded on chain, he would then, in theory, take some proceed from every time the, the term cyberspace is used in the future. And that's, I think, a really interesting implication for all of this stuff is, is you know, how IP control is going to go forward into the future and how people are going to benefit from it. Yeah. So um, what, what I think, so what, what I understand is happening, <laughs> and this is, a, this is a, a, how I explain it, I finally got my head around it, is we, we were just plugged into the physical world. We didn't really have an extended digital uh, universe to plug into. So now you have an extended digital universe to plug into as a 16-year-old, 15-year-old, 21-year-old, whatever. Um, there is a myriad of possibilities within that uh, connecting to that. And that digital life becomes a very, very important and significant part of your life. Um, so whereas people who, 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 who aren't literally plugged into the digital life, they, they access it periodically, they, they see it as part of their lives, but it's not integral to them. So they can't see things like the metaverse it doesn't make sense. It's just a sort of a weird second life 3.0 type thing. Right. But, but if, if, you, if you're carving out your identity um, in the digital world, you could understand why an NFT might matter or might a digital being able to acquire a digital avatar or buying Gucci virtual clothing could be important. Um, so it seems that I just put on LinkedIn the other day, this guy, um, there's a Sundance film, um, but this guy made a documentary in um, VR chat. But, in, yep. so, but instead of being like an outsider documentarian looking in, he actually made the documentary inside of the medium. So he was using, mm -hmm. a, using a camera that works inside VR chat. Um, so it's really cool. I mean, in the sense interesting, that, in the sense that you know, so much of the time it's an outsider looking in, but to actually be inside the world and um, documenting and interviewing people inside that world it was is is really fascinating. And um, so you just you 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 start to I guess the more you know, the more you start to see why this is feasible, right? Why I'm not so clued up on cryptocurrency, but I, I certainly know more about NFT. Obviously, they're related, NFTs. Um, yeah. You, you start to see and virtual goods. Um, I thought, I don't, I'm sure you covered this, but I thought that was really interesting, this patent from Nike. I don't know if you'd seen it, where you could actually breed different sneakers um, digitally and yeah. that the, the offspring can be sold digitally and physically. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know if that's CryptoKicks 
per se, but funny enough, like a, a, a guy that is a friend and um, who I have, have had on, on the, the talk series as well, uh, a guy named Matthew Davis was involved in, in creating that when he was at Nike. And look, I think that the thing, I, I think it's, it, it's exemplary of the place that the sort of second life, not the app, of course, but you know, the way that we think of our IR, lives in IRL and our lives in URL, right? Um, the, the way that the second life will come to, to pass. I was listening to a podcast or a, a Twitter spaces discussion recently with, with Bobby hundreds, who is one of the two founders of this streetwear line called the hundreds and has become, has, has revitalized, like re, re rebirthed his brand really over the last year by getting involved in the NFT space and in the kind of the crypto world. But he, he said something I thought was really fascinating. And, and it's one of those things where it, it, it makes total sense. And it, and yet is going to beggar belief when it happens, which it will. But he said, you know, I think the sec, our second life is becoming more important than the first life for these young audiences or just for people in general. And he said, for instance, you know, when I make a streetwear line, I'm making a T-shirt that has two sleeves, a place for your head to go out and, you know, a place for your body to go in, right? That's what a T-shirt looks like. That's what a T-shirt has always looked like. But what the virtual world allows is for us to represent ourselves in morphologies that uh, don't exist, right? So if my avatar in Fortnite has six arms and there's a hundreds shirt that has six armholes and I wear it around and I'm the coolest guy in Fortnite, at some point, I'm going to want to take that t-shirt into real life. And so suddenly he's thinking about how do I make t-shirts in, or how, they're, I guess they're not t-shirts, they're W shirts or, you know, centipede shirts or whatever they are. But it's like, how do you make that in real life? It, what's going to happen at some point is you or I, we're going to walk down the street and we're going to see a kid wearing a shirt that has four unused armholes. And we're going to go, what the hell is going on here? But that's going to be the meeting of this kind of metaversal conception and, you know, the physical world and, and how quickly that happens. I don't know. And it probably won't take the shape of a six armed shirt, but I just thought that the, the way of encapsulating the point of inflection there was, was really smart and interesting. I wonder, I wonder if we have a little bit of the same problem as uh, vice had back in, back in the early days of the, of this, of this sort of like fear factor um that that a lot of brands just are kind of scared of it uh, it it's an mm -hmm. un, unregulated space i don't know i read about the adidas thing uh they did it they planned it really well but eventually someone like went off with all the uh tokens you know someone hacked in and just got there was supposed to be like a hundred tokens or whatever and this person got 99 of them because they created a program to buy everything. Um, and I'm sure this is just kind of inevitable in the early stages of anything, but uh, I'm sure I'm sure brands come in and they, they have good advisors and, and, and they think they've covered all the eventualities, but in this space, um, it's a little bit of the wild west right now. Oh, I, for sure. And, and it's funny, right? Like the, the, 
I, I, I would say that the, the parallel to early vice is interesting because in, in many respects, we were a testing and learning ground for, for, for brands. And I think that's, you know, the way that the smart ones are, are um, approaching this kind of metaverse thing, right? Understanding that to your point, there is not going to be the foolproof scenario and that there are black swan events that you have to not only sort of consider, but probably plan for. Um, I don't I'm not familiar with the, the Adidas thing that you're, um, or at least not the hack that you're talking about, although I'm familiar with their, you know, board at Yacht Club partnership and that kind of thing. But I, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think that, the, you know, the brands that I have talked to about opportunity in this space are mainly like my advice to them is get in there mess around engage with the community don't feel obliged to make a thing or to do a drop or to hire a crypto influencer or whatever it is just get in and engage with the community and, and figure out where you fit in and where you will be able to create value over the course of time you know you brought up gucci a minute ago who I think have just been genius in the space, but like what Gucci needs to do, or I think the opportunity for Gucci is that if they can sell my daughter a, uh, a, a bag, virtual bag in Roblox for 7,000 Robux, and it makes her the coolest girl in her, you know, little Roblox universe, then she is going to be much more likely to buy a $7,000 bag IRL, you know, at some point when she can earn it in the future. Um, for Gucci, the, the, the sort of, uh, what's the word, um, exponential increase in value from 7,000 Robux for a thing that costs virtually nothing to create to $7,000 for a bag, which relative to the sales price costs virtually nothing to create is, is really clear. Right. By the same token, you know, the, the CMO at Timberland is a friend and we talk a lot in a, in a dis weekly discussion group that we have about the metaverse. And I think about something for, for Timberland, like the, the, the difference between buying a pair of virtual boots and buying a pair of, of boots in the, in the real world, the, the exponential curve is not as great. Right. So rather than thinking of it as a commercial game, how do you think of it as an intellectual game? or as a community building gain or something else. And that may be where you want to put your investment instead of thinking about how do I build this, you know, exponential gain in, in commercial value. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's back to the whole thing of, uh, of media, right? It's, is if, if, if the metaverse and these channels are, are, are media, there is a value. If there is, if there is uh, either influence or volume, in those channels and they are related to your core audience then you should be experimenting with them so it's the same it's the same as you said the same model um but what you know um it seems to me that uh there are there are many ways of going about this and i think that I, I mean, simplistically, I think there are two camps right now. There's, and, I, and maybe the first camp is dwindling away. The people just want the people that just wanted the bizarre headline because they were doing something, you know, because yeah. they're so desperate for attention, and they're usually the most boring brands in the world that no one 
cares about anyway. So they're so desperate for attention, they're going to say they're doing something in crypto. Um, and then you've got people who are, you know, I think what's happening to me, well, it seems to me what's like most phenomenon, um, the culture, the, 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 the cultural leaders, as in art, are going to be the innovators. Mm -hmm. So we're going to see musicians and we're going to see artists do the most interesting things first. Yeah, I, I think that's true. It, it, you know, we had a we had a, um, a discussion on Clubhouse a year, almost a year ago. Um, the, it was the night that, that the Beeple work went on sale at Christie's, not when it sold for sixty nine million dollars, but the night that it went live. And we did the show because we thought like, this is a watershed moment for, you know, crypto for certainly NFTs and, and just for this kind of new conception of what art is. And we had a lot of people drop into that, um, that chat who were musicians, particularly who were really interested in the space. Blau, who is the electronic musician, who's also done, he has a new service called Royal, um, which is like crypto backed artist it's it's a way for for artists to manage their royalties with with blockchain backing um mike shinoda from um lincoln park who has been heavily active in the space as a collector um grimes popped into that discussion and talked a lot about how she felt it was important to use this new sort of on-chain um verification system to to reward the people who work behind the scenes in music. Like she talked about making a music video and making sure that the DP had a, had a, had, had points on future income from that newsletter and that kind of thing, or not newsletter, but, but, but video. So I think, I, I think you're right. I think it's those, you know, those sorts of, of, of multi media artists, you know, people who think both in terms of, of maybe a, their, their original point of output, but then also, you know, all of its multi-platform expressions that will be doing the, the most interesting stuff here. Um, well, the, the incentive, I, it seems, it seems that it seems that we, what's so interesting about now is it's this inflection point because it's all about control. So we had, we have, we've, we've, um, we've allowed media to become a handful of channels ostensibly. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, in terms of mass media, it's a handful of channels with billions and billions of users, of which creators have absolutely no control. Um, right. And and this is this is the inflection point that says, can we do this another way? Can you get can you get the real rewards that you without the middleman, whether that's record labels or whether that's channels, taking picking away at your value? Can you? Can you can you earn what you what you're worth, or can you earn close to what you generate? And is there is there a means to do that? That seems to be what the battle is. And um, what is also fascinating, and I don't know enough about this, but these DAOs, um, this mm -hmm. this kind of concept of the headless brand. I guess this is what the the board a yacht club kind of is. But mm -hmm. um, these people are talking about like buying land in communities and 
the com the community manages it through this these DAOs. It's just it's it's on one hand it's kind of like science fictiony, but on the other hand it's like it's absolutely revolutionary in terms of the way we think about relationships between uh, companies and individuals or artists and their fans or whatever. I mean, those this this disruption here is it's 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 pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't oh, I couldn't agree more. I, I think you know the interesting thing for me about um, this whole uh, you know movement is the the element of let's call it self selection, self selected meritocracy that is um, that is present here. Like a, a DAO, that, so DAO right meaning decentralized autonomous organization is a a way for like-minded individuals to, you know, co-invest in an idea. And, you know, the investment can be everything from um, physical, like, you know, dollars. It can be, um, you know, cryptocurrencies or those sorts of things. But, but, but primarily what it is, is an investment of time. Right. And so the, the sort of interesting, uh, I think misnomer or malapropism about DAOs, I guess it's a mis I don't know, it's a misnomer, misconception maybe, is that is that they are decentralized, truly decentralized, right? In fact, they are centralized around the people who can spend the most time with them and who can devote the the, the most attention to them, right? And so it's an it's a it, we're at an interesting point of uh, of inflection, understanding like how these systems are different than the systems of control that we have presently, right? Like the um, Moxie Marlinspike's essay two weeks ago about how the world of crypto is not in fact decentralized is a point well taken, right? You still have to have the pipes that, um, you know, move the, the, the digital water around, so to speak. Um, but it does mean that the people who are you know, in charge of the conversations or are primary in the conversations can be different. And those people can be those can be people who came from outside a particular sort of system of, of, you know, managed control previously. That I think is, is, is really cool. The, you know, I'm, I'm interested, I'm very interested to see how well these ideas translate between digital and physical, right? Like the, DAO that's buying all of this land in Wyoming or is raising money to buy all this land of, in Wyoming, does that end up running like a homeowners association or does that end up running like a, you know, true crypto utopia? Um, if it runs like a homeowners association, is it a conscientious one or is it a sort of, you know, absentee landlord type scenario? If it is a crypto utopia, is it one that defines its own new path into the future or is it one that you know falls back on the bad traditions of the real world because at a certain point when you're out of your depth you you reach for the most available you know flotation device right um I, I, that's that's what makes this whole scenario so fascinating to me and i'm i'm keen to do it i i have not personally put up a bunch of money into any of these spaces and I don't have the time to be in a Discord, you know, eight hours a day. But I, 
I, I listen very actively to all of that stuff to just kind of understand where the new standards will be. Well, I mean, the critics, the cynics might say it's a bunch of people who made a ton of money on Bitcoin who have the time and have the money and now are just, uh, you know, it, it, it's that new play thing. Yeah, I mean, my, my experience is that 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 is that that is the exception rather than the rule. The rule in terms of people who have time is kids. Is I mean, it, and and I say that euphemistically, of course. Like I, I used to joke when I was advice that anybody who was younger than me was a kid. I'm 46, so clearly there's probably a a, a gap between <coughs> kids and me. But but um, in any case it's 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 the it's the people that can that can spend the time and it's not because they don't have because they're they're now independently wealthy and they've bought a lambo and they live in puerto rico in crypto utopia it's more just like you know they don't have as i do uh you know a partner and, and you know, children and a, and a mortgage and all of this other stuff they they're they're on they're less encumbered and so they have the ability to devote their free time uh, accordingly. It's also, it is also their social time, right? It gets back to, you know, my kids, I was saying at breakfast today that the, uh, during COVID, I was initially very concerned about the fact that, that my kids were spending as much time on screens as they, as they, as they are, as they were. And, and then I realized I listened to them talk to their friends on, on these messaging platforms or, or Roblox or whatever the case is. And I realized, oh, my daughter's Roblox environment is like the museum where I went skateboarding every day was for her. And, and you know, yes, physical activity is, is different, but other than that, it is the place where you congregate it is the place where you exchange cultural information. You find, you know, diversion and, and community. And, and so, yeah, like the, the people that are able to do that through these discussion groups are the ones that I think are, end up being, you know, most important, and it will end up determining the, the the agenda. So, do you think? Do you think we'll, we'll see, um, or are seeing already, uh, branded entities arising from these worlds? Because we oh, talked yeah. about we talked about brands coming into these worlds. We didn't talk about brands coming out of these worlds so much. Oh no! I mean, a hundred percent. I think you know it, all of the successful. The, the big successful crypto projects that you're that you know are brands that have come out of this already, right? CryptoPunks, Board Apes, Doodles, um, you know, and and so on. Uh, as well as you know, Roblox certainly didn't start in this way, but is very much a brand that has sort of emerged from this this kind of conception of the, of the world. The thing that I that I find so interesting about the brands that come out of it is that they have sort of found an ethos and a brand equity, a brand position naturally without having gone through all of the sort of steps that we might think a brand needs to do to build a solid foundation, right? These things have sort of bubbled up and coalesced organically. Um, and they and they do so largely because these crypto brands can can take um, the wisdom, the, 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 the specialized knowledge of members of the community and put them together Borg-like into, um, you know, a, a kind of a shared experience. Uh, and Bored Apes, there's maybe no better example that I can think of than Bored Apes. 
where the 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 people that created the board apes as i understand it wrote into the sort of smart contract of ownership that each holder of an ape would have the ability to determine how that ape's likeness was used in a world of ip so i have a friend um nick adler who has worked in in music management for a long time he's got a relationship to some apes and he says or he and his some friends say let's do gorillas right damon albarn's you know famous animated band let's do gorillas out of our apes right so they take four apes with very unique characteristics form them into a group sign them to universal music and so these you know non-existent fictional characters now have a record deal prior to having any music any songwriting experience any of that stuff but but nick having worked in music for years his his, his contemporaries having worked in music for years can just call people and like make that stuff and so the idea and and the ownership is more important than the execution now now if they do a bad job with this band and the music sucks or it's not commercially viable then maybe there isn't an opportunity for somebody else to do this later but the fact that they sort of knew that this you know conception could be built prior to building it and then they had the 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 you know the freedom to just create it as an experiment is super powerful and i think it's going to be you know we're going to see a lot of that stuff yeah i mean the board apes is it, it, it's even the people who everyone's they were sort of surprised it wasn't it's like so much of this is organic and random you know mm -hmm. everyone everyone mm -hmm. wants to believe sitting in a marketing department that they can plan the world um but but this is this is kind of like a happy accident and uh you know a lot of things happened to confluences happened to make it work versus well, a, a very strong strategic plan yeah i i think but i think that's the, the it's it's the um it's the it's the famous is it is it general Patton? some american general made the was quoted as saying um plans are worthless but planning is everything yeah right and yeah. um so I, if, forgive me if i've gotten the attribution that's there wrong the right, yeah the right attribution i'm not sure but that's definitely the right uh soundbite <laughs> Right. And so and so I think the the reason I bring it up is because I think, you know, the, the tendency for agencies in particular, um, because they are trying to define their value is to say to brands and then therefore this thinking then seeps into, you know, brands and, 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 and so on is to is to say, we're going to sit down and we're going to we're going to, you know, create a scenario for this and we're going to make a plan that, that allows us to get to it and because they spend so much time in that planning phase they invest emotionally in the work and they then it becomes very difficult to acknowledge that this thing that you have put so much emotional energy into and that you love so much right um might be totally useless right might not work at all and and so they, 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 it becomes too hard to acknowledge that kind of black swan moment where the thing that you've planned for goes totally off in a different direction that you didn't anticipate. Um, 
And so, yeah, they do. They, they, you know, I think the tendency is to try to, to ring fence all of the potential possibilities without acknowledging that maybe that ring fence isn't the best idea. And what you ought to do is just have a, <laughs> I don't know what the, what the, what the, the, the right sort of analogy is, but have a sort of a soft lasso or a long leash or whatever it is around the potential and then allow it to take you to the place that it wants to go. Yeah. It's just, um, you know, it's all about risk, right? It's goes back to the first point yeah. we were making. It's all about our willingness to take risk and it's, that's not, that's a hard thing to do. So, um, so we now have uh, Facebook as meta and wanting to be part of this world. Do you think they will be a, con a convincing player or do you think somebody like Roblox or Microsoft Activision or somebody we haven't even heard of is better equipped? Well, I'm, I think it's, I, look, I mean, I, I guess I, I think of it, I think, I think both is the, is the answer. And it's funny that you should say Microsoft Activision, right? Already denoting the, the company as being merged when in fact it's going to take 18 months for regulatory to get that through at a minimum, right? What, what, what that, and what that says to me ultimately is that we're headed into a, into a world where regulation of these companies is going to become much more important. And so, so I think meta slash Facebook slash Instagram slash WhatsApp slash Oculus is, will absolutely be a player in this space. Will it be the, 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 8,000 pound gorilla single player? No, probably not. And probably because it will either be broken up um, and, and then its various component parts will go on to be important, you know, uh, Oculus or Horizon or whatever the case may be. Um, or it will get, you know, disintermediated by a company that comes from outside that is able to move more quickly and takes advantage of the fact that Facebook can't acquire anything further because it's just too big now. So, uh, you know, it, 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 one way or the other, the, the, the single monolith becomes less important, but it's individual parts, I think might, you know, or will continue to be very active in the space. I just think there's, there's too much, I, I think they just they have too much of a sense of what's gonna happen to be totally disintermediated. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense. I, I I always always fascinates me that sort of uh, if you look at um, no one's managed to create a compelling argument around quality versus quantity in media. The, the, the and and the, the default everything's defaulted back to it's the, the the billions of eyeballs versus yeah we haven't got billions of eyeballs we've got ten thousand but they're ten thousand the most valuable and no one's ever mm -hmm. tell that story so I, it it seems interesting to me that um could could there be valuable niches in this new space that um you don't I mean, it always surprised me when I came to this. I first came to the States. I was like, oh, yeah, there's 200 channels and they're all they were kind of niches. Right. So they you know, you had Animal Planet and you had this. And after a while, these kind of the, the shareholders or the holding companies or whatever of these cable networks say, no, no, we're not about American classic movies. We're just about movies. 
You know, right. it was a classic MTV thing. Oh, we don't do music videos anymore. And, and they they have an, a very, very tough time of being able to argue their way out of going to seek volume, which in a way sort of destroys their brand. They mm -hmm. originally were so centered on understanding country music fans, like no one else understands them. And then they become something else and they dilute. So I wonder if in this space, actually the there is an attraction to niches there is there will be these places where maybe they're maybe they're sub environments of big environments or maybe they're just environments on their own um but just yeah it, it's 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 what it's interesting to think about oh for sure i look i mean i think the other the other thing that's that's really intriguing which is a sort of a generational implication here is that um the 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 success of niches of niche players of niche communities and so on and so forth is going to be increasingly defined by those niches right where people will decide i am big enough this is sustained you know this is this is an, this is enough for me and i don't have to chase huge scale in order to be considered to be successful or whatever the case is. And I, and I think that it's, it's, there's an interesting vector around young people, income inequality, the, the incredible increases of wealth that we've seen in the pandemic at the, the highest ends of, of, of the scale. And I think what's going to happen is you're, you're, you're going to have a bunch of people who, who look at the, you know, Elon Musk and the Jeff Bezos of the world and just go, there's absolutely no reason that anybody needs to be that wealthy, right? And instead of saying we need to take money away from those people, which is the the, the you know the sort of knee jerk uh, sort of political and regulatory example, I think these kids are going to look at it and go, "I'm going to make I'm going to set a number for myself, and I'm going to get to that number, and I'm going to feel good about that number. And if I can get to that by having you know, 100,000 TikTok subscribers, or if I can get that to, by having 10,000 newsletter subscribers, or if I can get that by, um, you know, building a company that that does $10 million in sales, or I can build a collection of NFTs that I can sell for, you know, $100,000 gross over the course of the year, they're going to, they're going to make their, they're going to create their own sort of definitions of success. And I think that's really, that's where these niches will, will become interesting, productive, and, and valuable to people is where they, they set their own caps. Um, and I, I, I realize that sounds a little bit sort of utopian and possibly a little naive, but I, I go back to this statistic um, that Mark Cuban tweeted about a couple of months ago, where it, at the height of these, of the, 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 the great resignation reporting, there was a, a, a jobs report that came out that said, Nine million people quit their jobs this this you know month or this cycle, whatever the, it was. Of those, four percent said, "I quit my job because I'm making enough money on crypto that I don't have to work." Now, the average amount of money that those people had made to make that determination was fifty thousand dollars. So the notion that like 
hundreds of thousands of people can make a decision to leave these structures that we're accustomed to, 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 because they were able to make an amount that, you know, I, I can't live on. I can't do anything with that is, is pretty wild, right? It's like, okay, there's a whole different set of, of, of values. I'm going to work to my number. Somebody else is going to work to their number. And, um, you know, that, that will be a, a big determining factor going forward. So anyway, but that, that's where my head goes on all of this stuff. Yep. Um, no, it's fa that's fascinating. That's absolutely fascinating. Um, sources. Let's let's find. Let's run into the home straight now. Um, sure. Uh, what should people re be reading, looking at, uh, to get smart on on this world uh, emerging world? What would you recommend? Well, it, it's. I mean, I, I think the 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 Dow that has consistently been ahead of the curve filled with smart people, really interesting in terms of its online and offline activities and its connections to other spaces within this, or, or other, other entities within the space is called Friends with Benefits. That's, it's FWB, letter F, letter, letter W, letter B dot help, I think. But either way, if you, if you just Google FWB, you'll find it pretty quickly. Um, those guys are, are really interesting and, and is a world that people should pay attention to for sure. Um, in terms of broad information sources, you know, I do this weekly curation of, of, of links and stuff, and I read tons of newsletters and tons of sources, spend a lot of time on Instagram and so on. Um, but the, the one, if I was going to distill it down to one home source, um, Morning Consult, which is a uh, market research firm and publishes a series of newsletters every morning that, that are digestive headlines according to like areas of interest. Um, Morning Consult does an incredible job. So you, you can subscribe at Morning Consult to a couple of their newsletters and really get a, a great picture of what's going on. Um, and then beyond that, I think, you know, the, the audio space is really interesting as a, as a jumping off point and a, a way to gather knowledge quickly and effectively. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time on Clubhouse in the, in the pandemic um, and, and still spend, you know, not an insignificant amount of time there, but also Twitter spaces has become uh, very much the place where all of these crypto discussions happen. And, and you know, I, I, to me, you use all of that kind of synchronous audio stuff the same way you use podcasts or the radio or whatever. You put it on, you listen in the background, you do other things, something will catch your ear and you then, you know, zoom in and start listening actively to it. Um, but I think there are some, you know, Bobby Hundreds, who I mentioned earlier, has a great show called Bomb Talk on Twitter spaces. I don't know what time it is. Um, so that would be, you know, that's, a, that would be one to, to refer to off that as would be culture club, which is our discussion on, on clubhouse, which happens on Wednesday nights, uh, most days. Brilliant. Yeah. Great. So those, those, those are the ones. And then beyond that, just like, I mean, hopefully everybody's sick of sitting in their houses, but I implore people to just get out, go to, go to, go to bookstores, go to magazine stores, go to places where you can visually take in disparate media all at once. And, and, you know, you will get to pattern recognition pretty quickly. And I think that's a, it's a skill that a lot of people have let soften over the pandemic. So that was, that's my other big thing. Do you know, um, Rob Walker, do you remember Rob? I used to write. Of course. Yeah. 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 He's got a really cool newsletter called the, um, the art of seeing, 
Um, oh wow! I don't know. I didn't know he, that he was. Um, I, I, did, I did a podcast with him uh, a few months ago, and his his whole thing was he was going to write the anti-screen book, and decided, decided it was just going to be a polemic with very little advice on how to break free, and then just totally switched and said, "Okay, I'm going to do a newsletter all about the things that people can do to break free of their screens." and be more creative and be more aware i, I think it's called the art of seeing i, I think, I think it's that. the art of noticing it looks noticing. like yeah, no, noticing. yeah the art of noticing no it's funny yeah. i had not heard it and i am going to subscribe right now cool awesome well <laughs> yeah and I, I i mean i could go on with with recommendations all day long but i think that you know the the amazing benefit to this world that we live in now is that uh we have the opportunity to 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 you know pull little bits from everybody's point of view so rather than me dictating places for people to go sure. I, i'd love to hear i'd love to hear where people go i mean in this newsletter great example of something i hadn't heard about but i'm super interested in cool well thank you so much for your time really great chatting Enjoy yeah of course it Thank you. Likewise. And, and, uh, great to, to be in touch and, you know, wherever I can be helpful, uh, as we go forward, um, let me know, but I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased to be here. So thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Pleasure. This is your host, Ed Cotton. Thank you so much for listening to inspiring futures until next time.